Hello, everyone. Welcome into localjobnetwork.com radio. You've joined us for Moving Up the Ladder, a podcast designed to help you take that next step in your career. Now, perhaps that means taking on a leadership role or simply redefining how you lead. And we're doing that by taking a look at a wildly successful character from the popular Netflix series House of Cards. So to give us the lowdown on that, we have Peter Gaska, the co-founder of WildCreations.com. Pete, thanks for coming on the show today. My pleasure, Tim. Thanks for having me. Now, I found this intriguing because I'm a a big fan of the show House of Cards. And uh, of course, as I mentioned there, the leadership style, a lot of good things to take from it. And as we'll probably find out from you a little bit, maybe some bad things to take. But could you give the listeners an idea of the synopsis of Francis Underwood, who is the character we're talking about, and the show House of Cards, and how this all kind of comes together in the idea of leadership? Yeah, sure. Well, you know, the first thing that drew me to the show House of Cards is that it was it's about a South Carolina congressman. And being in South Carolina ourselves, I was, you know, drawn to that particular area and I know how volatile and dramatic the politics are down here. Sure. You know, it was also starts uh, Kevin Spacey, which I'm a big fan of. And so as I started watching the show and the show is about the this South Carolina congressman, you mentioned his name, Francis Underwood, and his ascension to power through the political ranks. Now, without giving away too much of the story or, uh, you know, giving away any kind of um, plot sequences that you'll miss if you watch it, you know, he, he basically, he, you see him rise into power using some extremely manipulative ways. And what I found when I was watching it was this intense guilty pleasure because <laughs> I hated loving this guy because he was doing everything that everything he was doing translates right over into uh, business management, into entrepreneurship. And I found myself watching what he was doing, thinking, gosh, he's doing so many things. Fantastic. Look at the success he's having, right. even if he's doing it in a manipulative way. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the article I wrote about it were five ideas takeaways that I had that we could translate, even if you, you know, you know, if you can suck up the guilty pleasure of, of hating the way he does it, you can translate them right into a business management context. And I think you summarized it about as well as you could, as you said, without giving away too much and uh, that guilty pleasure portion of it. I think, uh, I think that hits it spot on. <laughs> I guess the first thing I would ask you then is when it comes to his I guess, strategies to begin with, what is the biggest thing that stands out to you or something you th- feel he does most effective that any of us could take into that business management side or into our career? There's a number of things he does, you know, specifically as far as tasks and things which we could go into. But I think the, over, the overlapping lesson I take away from this are two things. The first thing is that you know, your success takes time. Mm-hmm. You know, rising in his in his case, it's the rise to power. But you know, from a business standpoint, achieving business success doesn't happen overnight. It is a long term, extremely calculated, well strategized, and well executed plan. And he gets into it so well because, and you see him do this. He's putting people into place. And again, we'll get into specifics as far as what he does. But that that idea of it takes a long time. Right. And second, the second thing I take away is that it, as much as I hate to say, it, but it's so much about who you know more than what you know. It's mm-hmm. all about networking. And, you know, politics is all about networking, but business, you know, I see it in my, in my business every day when I need something or there's, a, there's an issue that comes up, you know, it's usually the relationships I have that get me out of issues or help me to overcome challenges that I have. And so it's all about networking and it's all about long-term planning. Right. Well, I like that you brought up networking because that is definitely something that on all of our shows we talk about still being number one way of you know improving in your career, even if it's getting a job or, or whatever it might be in that realm. 
When it comes to what Francis Underwood does, and again, looking at it from even a broader perspective, what do you see as being his successful points of networking and what he does that you could say, hey, this is definitely an example you can learn from? First, he's incredibly adept at determining what other people's strengths and weaknesses are and what other people's motivations are. Okay. Francis Underwood, Congressman Underwood, what he does during the show, and you'll see, is he, is he builds up this network of people around him who he knows what their motivations are. He knows how to feed on those motivations, and he knows what their strengths are, which you know, from a business standpoint is incredibly important because you're only as good as the people that are working with you or for you. Mm-hmm. So if you have the wrong people in there and you they don't have the right strengths to match up with your weaknesses, that doesn't work. And from a networking standpoint, if you aren't networking with the right people in your industry or in your local area, then you essentially, you, you have a limited amount of time, so you shouldn't waste your time with that. Another thing he does, and I, don't, I would never advocate for the way that he does it, but <laughs> he gets rid of the people that don't help him. And it, it sounds mean, it sounds cruel, and I'm not suggesting that you just fire somebody or get rid of somebody, but he understands, and from a, from a business standpoint, you have to understand who is hurting your organization and how do you, you, know, how do you fix that? How do you, either, how do you either remove those things that are being a hindrance to you or put them in a different position, which he does also in the show, put them in different positions to help him? Right. So that part of networking is one part that's really important. And I think that the other important part is he never loses sight of his long-term goal. Again, going into that long, you know, you network and a lot of people may network and they may send out a business card or make a cold call or go to a conference and meet somebody and feel inclined to immediately put on their sales pitch. Sure. When networking truly is most successful, you know, if you do it long, if you have a long-term plan, right. which means meeting people, talking to them, getting to know them, understanding their strengths and weaknesses, and also telling other people what your strengths and weaknesses are. And then slowly as that relationship progresses and slowly as that relationship becomes stronger and more of a congenial relationship as opposed to a professional relationship, it becomes much easier to turn those potential allies into people that are your clients or people that are your business associates. So those are the, the two most powerful that he, I think he does with, when he does his networking. Now, when you mentioned you know, networking and, of course, being surrounded by people that can help you in some way, I guess, how would you bring about to someone maybe you were mentoring eliminating the emotional side or the personal side to it? Because I would imagine in in being in that position, you may have to make some tough decisions that would, in a sense, be hurtful to you or someone else, but because it's that professional versus personal. I mean, is there a way to to balance that or a way to help somebody kind of get past that? Because, of course, Underwood has no issue doing that. Yes, I think here's (laughs) a good point. Yeah, you. I mean, you have two different types of people. You have people that are just cold-hearted, and and I mean, maybe that's not the right word for it. But maybe people are that are just more stoic mm-hmm. and have that ability to be able to make hard decisions. And then you have other people. You know, I, I actually categorize myself in the latter. You know, that take incredible emotional. I get I get emotionally attached to everything that I do. So okay. sometimes, you know, terminating somebody or getting rid of a relationship or making a tough phone call is hard for me. And it takes me a while to get used to it. What I found, if you're not the stoic type that just naturally has that ability to make those calls, what I have found to be successful is, you know, I have, I have a sounding board of about two or three people. They're friends. They're, I've, I've met them through business contacts. You know, I can pick up the phone at any given time and, you know, say, you know, hey, John, I've got a question for you. I'm mm-hmm. in this situation. I need some help. And time and time again, what I get is that validation, like you're doing the right thing. You know, it is tough, but it's the right thing to do. You know, here's a situation I went through and in the long run, it worked out. That was my early stages of my, when I started my business, 
I needed those sounding boards. I needed somebody to validate that what I was doing was the right thing to do and that eventually it would work out in the long run. So for other people that are, you know, again, if you're not stoic, I would highly recommend that you have a sounding board that you, even if it's just one person who has professional experience and me, I prefer to have somebody who is detached from me personally. It's not my wife. It's not my dad or my best friend. These are industry people that I call. I mean, they're my friends now. Sure. And we talk on a regular basis, but you know, I've met them through business. We are business professional. We have a professional relationship. We do have a friend relationship, but they're more inclined to tell me what the hard knock truth of a situation that I'm in, as opposed to my wife who might try to you know, soft coat it. So if, if there are people out there listening who are having these doubts and uh, you know, these, these troubling, making tough decisions like that, find yourself, you, you said it perfect, a mentor, find a mentor, find a couple of mentors that you can talk to and, and be a sounding board to. Another aspect that you had touched on was the idea of understanding people's strengths and even motivations, as you said. I guess, how do you relate that into whether it be your business or, you know, it might be people that you're uh, managing as far as the motivation piece goes? Because I find that interesting. Ideally, we're all working towards this common goal, but understanding that there might be some individual uh, motivations, as you put it. I guess, can you give us some insight into how you use those to work to your benefit without trying to sound like you're taking advantage of anybody? But, you know, it's kind of that balance again, I, I think. I'll give you an example. You know, the first thing I would tell anybody in this situation is, is detach yourself from the people that you're working with, the people that you're trying to motivate. Mm-hmm. You know, the example I have is about, gosh, about five or six years ago when we were first getting started, we offered all of our employees health benefits. We tried to, I mean, we couldn't afford it. We were a small business, but we worked out a deal where we could get a copay and help employees pay for their health insurance. Mm-hmm. We couldn't pay for the whole thing, but we figured a copay would help a lot of our employees out. And at the time, I think we had about 15 or 20 employees. Well, we introduced it and I thought it was the greatest thing because that's what I would have wanted. But you know what? Nobody signed up for it. We had one hmm. or two people sign up for it. The rest of them just said, listen, I'd rather have the money. You know, I'd, rather, I'd rather get paid a little bit extra than, than, have, than have you, instead of paying for this health insurance, give me the money. Sure. And so that was my first insight of like, wow, okay, well, clearly they're not motivated by health insurance. And so, so you have to get out. You have to talk. You have to get to know your employees or your partners. It's not just your employees, it's your vendors. It's your clients that you're dealing with. Um, and detach yourself from what you want compared to what you know, other people want. And I think that's, you know, once you can, and, it, and it, again, it comes down to networking. It comes down to these long-term relationships, you know, separating yourself from your personal desires, your personal ambitions and motivations, and being able to talk to other people and, and derive from them what they want without, you know, actually coming straight out and saying, well, what do you want? And a lot of it's trial and error. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, my trial and error was offering health insurance and realizing that that wasn't what my uh, what the people that worked in our office wanted. Now you touched on it a little bit there, uh, talking about you thought this is maybe what people would want and it would work. And the question comes about: of what if what you're trying isn't effective for you? Having that plan B sounds great, and it seems like everybody should do that. But is there a certain strategy to have? I mean, are you planning things ahead of time in case it doesn't go well? What would you offer up in terms of sort of that plan B? Because again, if we're basing it off of House of Cards and those who have watched it, um, that is a theme as well, that needing to change course and needing to you know, maybe tap into someone or something else. Uh, what, what advice would you give to those listening? You know, it's, I'm, 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 a, I'm a pretty structured manager. I, li- I like when we have business processes in place. You know, any entrepreneur will tell you that, or any business manager will tell you, nothing ever goes to plan. And I'm, <laughs> I'm the first one that will say that. I like, 
I like it when I can get it structured, but you know, motivations cannot be structured. Mm. Everybody has different motivations. You know, so I might have one employee that just needs an extra bump in pay because of some personal issue they've, they have. You know, our finance manager has flexible hours so she can work from home. That's what she needed. And I, you just have to be willing to, you know, have to get rid of this one size fits all for your motivations. Now, there are some things that one size fits all, vacation time, health plans, when you can afford them. And I know there's legalities that go into things that you offer your sure. employees, but there are certain, how you motivate them by the way you speak to them, by the way you treat them, by the way you, you know, give them time off or be flexible with certain things. All these things, you know, you learn by listening and you learn by trial and error. I don't really have a plan B. I just kind of go with the flow. I've turned over a lot of the motivational part to everybody once I figured out that I didn't know best. <laughs> I said, well, what do you guys want to do? So we do a potluck every Wednesday and everybody brings in food. I bring in some food. And guess what? Everybody has a great time on Wednesday. It's a great team building exercise. I would have never have thought of that on my own. But I say like, you know, what, what do you guys want to do? The Christmas party last year, uh, the, the Thanksgiving dinners that we do, I've just taken a backseat and said, whatever you guys want to do, you know, you let me know. So, so that, that part of that motivational side of it, it really just comes down to listening and being able to, you know, hear more, more important than listening, but is hear what other people are telling you. So you can, so you can create those motivations to keep them motivated. Well, it's interesting you bring that up. Is that an area that you think a lot of, especially new managers or leaders, or maybe it's, you know, someone who has started a business to sort of let go of that idea that, you know, everything, you know, how it should work or what people are going to like. Do you see that as being one of the toughest aspects of being in a position like that? Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to put it. I looking back on when I first got into to business, that was, and I guess you learn you learn as you go. So, and I'm sure I had people tell me when I was younger, you know, that you need to listen and you need to be more flexible. And I probably got in there with this big ego, you know, with a graduate degree, starting my business, going, I I know I know best, and that didn't turn out so well. Turned out fine. We were able to be flexible. But what I, what I would tell people out there is the same advice they probably get from a lot of different people. Be sure you hear the people that you're working with, you know, and and be flexible. Don't have a very straightforward approach to the way you manage people. Like it's not it's not ABC. Plans mm-hmm. never go the way they want. So you have to be flexible and be always. And, and going back to that networking and going back to that building that team is you have to put people in place that are going to challenge you, that are going to be better than you, that are going to, you know, that ultimately are smarter, brighter, more innovative, more creative than you are. Because as a manager, you can't do everything and you can't be everything for everyone. But the people below you or the people that you're managing are, you know, can be and should be. And ultimately you have to be willing to do that. Because if you don't, ultimately you have a team full of people who aren't motivated, who aren't ambitious. And it just, it just, brings down the entire, it just, it's a drag on the entire team. Well, Pete, I definitely appreciate uh, some of the insights you've given us and uh, talking a little bit about House of Cards, leadership, business management. Uh, before we wrap things up, I wanted to bring it back to the idea of House of Cards, since that is uh, kind of what brought us together initially. As you alluded to, and for, again, for people who are fans, uh, while Francis Underwood is extremely effective and good at what he does and moving up the ranks, there is a lot of unethical items that go on and, and that lack of emotion um, and, and very calculated. For those who feel like, you know, I couldn't do that, I couldn't be that way, can you offer up some advice or some, uh, I don't know, a little guidance to that, you know, you can do 
what he does, but in a way that isn't so manipulative and isn't so, in some ways, illegal, I guess. Yeah, well, I mean, he, yeah, yeah. We, again, without giving too much of the plot, he does some things that are illegal, <laughs> highly illegal. Yeah, a little bit. But I would say that I would say the most of the strategies he he employs, you know, there's nothing illegal. There's nothing you could even you could even argue that they may not even be unethical. Mm-hmm. You know, he's just incredibly, incredibly driven, incredibly ambitious. Is he manipulative? Yes, but everybody's manipulative to a certain extent. That's and true. That's, you know, in, po- in politics, that you know, that's what you expect. He's just very good at being manipulative. You know, he does, you do get that sense when you watch the show that, you know, bad guys finish first. That's what you, mm-hmm. that's what I get. He is a bad guy. They'll make no mistake about it. If, in fact, if they hadn't thrown in a couple of the really bad things that he did, he'd be just another, you know, character. I guess that's what makes the show, that's what makes the show so great. But, you know, if you were to employ the management things that we're talking about, you know, you don't call it manipulation. Just, you know, it, it, it really is just knowing how to work systems to work within systems. And if you could show, and basically this is the one thing he lacks, is he lacks compassion. Hmm. He lacks empathy. And if you were to take his leadership skills or his management skills and, and implement them with any level of compassion or empathy, what you've done is you've just created an incredibly powerful skill. Everything from your networking to motivating people to building up your team even to you know being able to turn the tables as he does so often. If you do this in a compassionate, empathetic way, you know it could be incredible. It, it it would be. It is an incredibly powerful skill set to have. So, and I think um, you know I think what you see in the in the move in the show is you do have this underlying impending sense of doom, like something bad's going to happen, <laughs> even if he is rising all the way to the top. And I think at the end of the day, what you'll see is you know bad guys don't come in last, and good guys. I know for a fact do come in last. And if you could figure out how to employ his methods with that level of empathy and compassion, you know, you will come in first. I think that was a great way to summarize it. And again, without trying to, uh, you know, be a spoiler for everybody who hasn't seen it. It's really hard not to <laughs> say anything that will spoil it. It's such a good I agree. Show. I agree. For anyone out there listening, uh, if you haven't seen it, definitely take a look. Uh, you'll be addicted. I, I pretty much guarantee you'll be addicted to it. But unfortunately, that is going to have to wrap things up for us in this edition of Moving Up the Ladder. And again, we took a peek into the leadership and business strategies of one Francis Underwood from the Netflix show House of Cards. Helping us sort of break it all down has been our expert guest, Pete Gaska. He's the co-founder of wildcreations.com. Pete, thanks again for sharing with us today. We do appreciate it. Tim, thank you. Anytime you want to talk about House of Cards, you let me know. (laughs) All right. Sounds good. And as always, we always want to hear from you, the listener. If you have any thoughts on future topics or this one as well, just send us an email to ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. Wishing you success in all your endeavors. I'm Tim Muma. We'll talk to you later.